Welcome to another episode of Salvation Solutions, where we believe in building wealth, maintaining health, and overcoming poverty. I am Aviance. I am Aramis. And I am Pastor D. So we're actually going to have my bro start us off today. (laughs) (laughs) What you got? What you got? So so we were having a conversation before we started, um, and and one of the uh, topics that came up uh, was the interview that Obama had on The Breakfast Club. Um, It was a very interesting interview. I have not seen the entirety of it myself, uh, but there was a very uh, specific question that was asked that I think is at the heart of all of the uh, core issues that we've been discussing uh, recently as far as, um, you know, the the political issues go. Um, we'll, We'll play the video now and then we'll talk about it. I can understand why they would be upset. How come things didn't change? I, th- I think people um, want to know, like, what did you do specifically for black people? Not the rising tide lifts all boats types of rhetoric, because we all know black people's boat got a hole in it. So the systemic things that were done to black people to put us in these positions, we need specific systemic things to get us out. So what I'm saying, Charlemagne, is black poverty dropped faster than everybody else. Black incomes went up more than a lot of other folks. So. You know, the issue is sometimes we just didn't go around advertising that because, once again, the goal here is to build coalitions where everybody is getting something so that they all feel like they've got a stake in it. Um, But a lot of my policies were targeted towards people most in need. Those folks are disproportionately African-American. Now, there are some things that, for example, us having a civil rights division in the Justice Department that actually took seriously civil rights and imposed consent decrees on places like Ferguson. And you know, I, I heard enough. I don't know about y'all. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah we good. Probably probably should. Should. I mean, I mean, I mean, <clears throat> where you want to go with it? <laughs> it's your segment. <laughs> no, this definitely. This is our segment. All right. <laughs> but. But I think I think the major point here, and, and and we talked about this a little bit before we started, the 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 key phrase that he used was that this was built for everybody, right? And 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 if if the main focus is not the black culture, who is by far the most impoverished out of the entire country, right? Then what are we really talking about, right? No, you know? I, I agree with that one hundred percent. I think I think the political the political stance that he took. Um, you know, and I actually saw the whole interview and what he was saying was, and I get this for his first term, that he couldn't go in there um, as Charlemagne would have him go in there and say, listen, I'm going to do something specifically for black folk. I don't care what y'all think. Well, he couldn't take that approach. That's not his nature anyway. He's very, he's more of a passive aggressive type person and more even keel and, and has a temperament that doesn't lend or bend toward being that way. But he, I, I understand his point. You at times, you know, the Bible says everything, there's a time to everything, there's a season. Mm-hmm. There's a time for you to go in there and be bullish about what you want. But then there's a time, as he said, you got to try to build coalitions because you need the Senate to approve um, what your, whatever bill you're trying to pass. As he alluded to, the Republicans blocked everything. Okay, well, that's, that's just an excuse. Like, like you got you to figure out a way to negotiate right. your way into getting uh, done or just do like Trump was doing, just do it anyway. Like, I don't care. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pass an executive order. You, you know, there are mechanisms in place that if you really want to get something done, you can get it done. But to his point, you know, you do have to have a mind to build coalitions and strengthen the 
you know, the, uh, the togetherness of both parties. The first term. <laughs> but the second term? Now that I'm back in this boy. No excuse for that. Listen, man. Ain't no, ain't no third term. I got, I'm, I got to go. I got to go with my bully game. I got to go with, listen, the reason you ain't voting for this or you don't want to pass this is because you're racist. Because you, got, you feel this way about black folk. You got to have a mindset now to specifically do something for, for one, the people that, you know, you were arbitrarily born through by God. And then secondly, the people that voted you in there, they got you in office twice. But you said something with that, that, that was key a couple of weeks ago. We're not putting warriors in office. What you're talking about right now is a right. warrior's mentality exactly. to go right. in and possess. <laughs> you got that right. We're putting politicians in office. Right. They're politicians. And they're going to play the political game because there's a lot of money at the end of the road. Like, like he almost broke the record for this book. He sold almost a, a million copies in less than 24 hours. Right. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of things at the end of the road that's going to be well for you if you just play the political game. And, and, and until we put statesmen and people who are really have a heart and a mind to heal and, and bring repair to America, that's when, that's when we're going to see change. Right now, we're, still, we're putting politicians in there. You know, we're putting people in there who got to play the political game. Mm-hmm. And the political game is, you know, I got I to gotta be even killed. I, I, I can't be as aggressive as a, he even said it. He even said he regret he didn't do more. Right. He, I mean, Charlamagne asked him a couple of times, why, why didn't you speak out more against the civil, the civil unrest and the violence that was going, you know, and that's one thing he said he regretted in the book. And I get all that. I get all that. But there comes a time and it comes a season where, okay, enough is enough. Like we at that point now with God and black America, like enough is enough. Like God has had it. He's had it with how white America has treated black America. It's been 400 years. And the same way he had, he had enough with Israel after 400 years, he's had enough with black America. And he's, and he's out to make it happen for black America reparations, um, civil unrest, equality, all those things, they, they're come to a head. And God is ready to make it happen for black America the same way he made it happen for Israel. That's just what it is. I, I don't know if a president can be that way. In this interview, he even said, what well, people, if we just, you gotta, black America, if we could just listen without the bias. I know, I know we, we Obama fans, I get that, I get that. But you gotta, we gotta learn to listen and think critically about what's being said. He even said in this, in this and I don't know if he's using it as an excuse, but he said, what people got to understand is the president don't run the country like people think. And we've been saying that. He said it. The president don't run the country as, 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 as um, strategically and straightforward as people think they do. He still got to go through the Senate. He got to go through the House. It's like now, the reason this runoff, this recent runoff for the two Senate seats in January is so important is because if those Democrats win those seats, now the Democrats... They, they, have, they have the Congress in their possession. Now, everything that Biden tries to get through will pass. But if they don't win it, the Senate can, can veto and block everything. Right. So the president needs the, the cooperation of the Senate and the House, or what we call the Congress, in order to get things done the way you want to get them done. Right? So, but you can't use that as an, as an excuse. Specifically to the question that was asked by Charlemagne, People want to know what did you specific as a black as the first black president, what did you do specifically for Black America? Mm-hmm. And as you see, you get the same political, you know, um, answer that you get for, for for all those type of questions when you ask folks them tough questions. And, but you know, I, I will say this: I did leave the interview after I watched. I did leave with a with a with a better understanding of how he functioned as a president. I, I better understand it. in his mind, in his mind, 
he, he related himself to Jackie Robinson. He, he don't think he was the person being the first to be bullish about doing stuff specifically for black America. And I can't remember exactly how, the analogy he used to bring that out about Jackie Robinson, but um, basically he said he sure, he's sure Jackie Robinson swallows his tongue a lot so that he can make way for, the, for another generation of black, black ball players. In his mind, he didn't want to go in there and be so black that people will be turned off from electing the next black president. He feels like the next black president might be in a position to go in there and be more dogmatic about doing stuff specifically for black folk. In his mind, he's just breaking the ice. Now that the ice is broken, whoever comes in here after me, you know, can really be dogmatic about doing something specifically for black folk. Now, I mean, some folk might look at that as a them, and that's just excuse, man. I don't want to hear that. That's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> I, I would personally rather just be in a position as a culture and as a people to put who we want in office and yeah. just be done with it. Well, I mean, it's tough. He alluded to like, like the math, the math of it, like forty-five million. Uh, that ain't enough. What well, an interesting thing, though, is how how long do you think it will be before we have another black candidate running for presidency, especially after having Four a years. president like Trump? Come mm -hmm. on, yep. she next. You think so? Yeah. She oh next. yeah. Oh yeah. First female <laughs> president, and she's black. Joe oh, one and goodness. done. Joe one and done. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. He one sure, and done. Sure, he sure. might be two yeah. two years and done. He <laughs> one and done. But no, Kamala next. She next. Unless they do something that's like totally like yeah. messed up. Like she next. She she'll she'll be she'll be the one. So So you think we'll be ready for a first black female president in four years? I don't think white America will be, but okay. who cares about yeah. that? <laughs> right. yeah, I don't care why I don't think white America will be, but I mean I I mean that's secondary. I mean it, that's that's who that's who I think will galvanize again unless they do something that's like to turn black folks off. I think that'll be the one person who will galvanize enough of both the black vote, the female vote, and the fem and the white vote to keep the Democrats in office. What I'm saying though, what I'm saying is I don't care who running. Black, excuse me, black America. We we have we haven't been in a greater position to leverage what we've accomplished in politically in getting getting these these two uh 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 Kamala and Biden in office. I think black America need to go before Joe and Kamala and say, listen, y'all got four years to get this reparations thing right, right? If y'all don't do right, then y'all don't get our vote. I think that now, with Joe Biden standing up there saying, black folks, y'all did it for me again. Wayne County, Michigan, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Georgia, right? We can go in there and say, listen, four years, if you don't do right by black America, forget about it. Forget about it. Until we do that. So one of the, the blueprint is, is the nation of Israel. God told the nation of Israel, listen, you got to go, y'all together, unitedly, y'all got to go to Egypt and say, give me what's rightfully mine. That's what we got to do. Mm -hmm. That's why we talked last show, unity, unity is where the power lies for black America. We're strong enough now, we're smart enough now, we're educated enough now to be able to stand up in front of you know, the political candidates, in this case, the president and vice president say, listen, we know how important and how significant our vote is for you. We want something for it. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to settle for anything less than reparating black America. Well, let's let's see if uh, if Miss Harris can get the trust of the black people back, because a lot of people, a lot of black people did not trust her because of what she has done in her prior seat. So 
I mean, we'll you, can't, you can't argue with that. See what happens in four years if she right. gets the trust or not. But let's go into the book. Yes, yes. Okay. So for for this podcast, we wanted to talk about reparations planned for for man. Mm-hmm. So let's jump into um, Isaiah fifty six and Isaiah twelve, and let's just get into. Well, it. as as you stated earlier, salvation. We really believe salvation is is our solution. God has given us a solution to deal with you know the perils of. Of poverty, the perils of the fallen nature that uh, that man uh, experienced, you know, when 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 he failed. I mean, um, God is God is God has given us a salvation that's so great, that's so great that that it will enable us to overcome overcome even even Black America and all that we've been through here in America. We still have an ability, and that has that actually has given us the ability to be sustained through. You know, if it wasn't for the faith and the commitment of our ancestors while they were going through slavery to be committed, to be committed to um, believing what the word of God says and believing in equality and believing in those things, we wouldn't be where we are today as black America. I was, I was uh, rereading the, um, the New York times article on the 1619 project. And um, forgive me for not being able to call this sister's name. um, But uh, her name is, I want to say, is it Nicole? Man, I can't, I can't uh, recall, but she, um, she brought out an interesting point of how, of how our ancestors believed in, you know, the Declaration of Independence. They believed in the Constitution. They believed that God was for them, and they believed that in spite of being treated, uh, you know, differently. They believed that, and they held on to that, and that's been passed down to us. That's been passed down for the past four generations and 400 years to, to us today to believe that salvation is the solution. Now, I don't think that they had the full scope of what salvation meant, you know, because they were taught differently by the white slave owners. Uh, remember, Europe, the Europeans hijacked everything. They even hijacked the gospel. So they twisted the gospel. They created the slave Bible, and they took out all the Bible, all of the scriptures about prosperity and, 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 and independence and value. So they, they stripped of that. But uh, that's why we got a lot of our old hymns that speak of, you know, getting, getting my reward in the sweet by and by. That's where all those hymns came from. It, it wasn't about the now, because now, forget about it, we slaves now, right. and they ain't going to let us have nothing. So they had to come up with, with songs that spoke of when I get to heaven. You know, that's why a lot of them will kill themselves and commit suicide so they wouldn't have to deal with what they were dealing with here on earth, but they would rather be in heaven so they can get all their reward. Mm-hmm. Well, salvation is more comprehensive than that. Our salvation speaks to our wealth creation. It speaks to our, our health. It speaks to our defense, I mean, uh, to being defended. It speaks to our... Um, being made whole, and it speaks of being protected. Like that, those are the five wells of salvation that uh, Isaiah twelve three brings out. It says, "With joy do we draw from the wells of salvation, the five wells of salvation." It's wealth creation is first and foremost. That is first on God's agenda. If you if you look through the Word of God and you see the covenants that God, I think it was six covenants that God established with individuals. Every last one of those covenants. Focus on wealth creation and health maintenance. Every last one of them was about wealth, and wealth was always first. God would always look to make his men and their families wealthy because God knows the importance of having an economic base by which you could, you could build upon. He even said, he says, I've given you the power in, in, in uh, Deuteronomy 8.18, I've given you the power to get wealth. Why? That you may establish my covenant in the earth. Like you can't establish God's covenant in the earth poor. You can't establish God's coming in the earth without wealth. And that's, that's where we have to focus. And that's where salvation is focused. God's salvation for man is his reparations plan for man, his reparative plan for man. We have to see it as such. 
That is God's repaired plan. When man failed, he was injured. He was broken. He started to decay. And God, in the very beginning, when he told Satan, the seed of the woman who shall brew your, your head, shall bruise his heel. That was him saying, I'm going to save my man. I'm going to repair my man. I'm going to restore my man. I'm going to, I'm going to re recompense my man. I'm going to give him everything he needs to overcome poverty. I'm going to give him everything he needs to overcome the spiritual death that took place. I'm going to give him everything he needs to fix his soul. I'm going to give him everything he needs to heal his mind. I'm going to give him all of that is contained in our salvation. And we have to see it as such. But that speaks to the nature of who God is. Well, before before you get to that, real quick, real quick. So yeah. so you 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 touched on touched on a lot of good stuff. Um, but y'all gotta cut me off. Y'all gotta cut me off. I keep going. Right, right. I'm seeing that. Y'all gotta cut me off. It's gonna come down to it. Yeah, so so before you before you get <laughs> so so we 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 know God as as a remunerator, and I, I don't want to get into that just yet. But yeah, yeah. before we get to that part. There's this this um, this mindset and and there's also this um, use of of the word. Uh, well, I, I would categorize it as the letter of of the law, where people say you can't serve God and mammon. But what's the spirit behind that? Right. Because it, it doesn't make sense that you know God wants us to be wealthy, but the way that they dictate it or the way that they interpret it is that you know God doesn't want us to focus on money. Right. You know. So, but so that is a that is a slave master's mindset. Right. And let's just call it what it is. Like the thing that I love about the 1619 project, um, Caitlin, can you look up 1619 project? I want to I get this young lady's name. I want to do her justice um, and get her name. But um, she, she, she relates the things that are taking place within our societal construct today. She, she relates them to what, what took place during slavery in that society how there's so many things that, that, that we operate in today. There's so many uh, functions that we deal with today. Uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones, Hannah that's her name. Nicole Hannah-Jones, um, she, 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 she relates how they all derived from the, um, the slave culture. And she does a beautiful job in knitting together how we can relate. So, so, and she really did it to deal with the white folks who say, well, I didn't own no slaves and I wasn't born back then. No, you're still living out the derivatives of what the slave culture and the slave environment produced. You're still living it out from the educational structure to the Wall Street, to, to the to relationships, to, to politics, all of, these, all of, the, all of the, the things by which we, we operate in today were connected to slavery. Like the constitution itself. Like if you if you live by the Constitution, you're living by a document that was greatly influenced by slavery, or them wanting to maintain slavery, mm -hmm. right? So um, that's a slave master's mindset: is to get you in a position where you don't worry about money, right. you can't love God and serve God and and mammon, right? They trick you up like that, but really that scripture is not bringing out the thought of you can't be wealthy and serve God. Or why would God tell you I've given you the power to get wealth? But then turn around and tell you, you can't serve me and be wealthy. No, the idea behind that is this. So um, you have to look at, look at it holistically. God never intended for us to trade our time for money. Right? His intention was to trade your gifting for money. That's why he gave us a gift set. Romans 12, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, the Spirit giveth, giveth expressly to all men, speaking in the context of that scripture, is the gifts that, that the Spirit gives to us. But he gives that for every man to profit. That word profit, 
in the Greek means to make money. Literally, it means to gain money. That's what it talks about. So the giftings that God has given you, the calling that God has called you to, to um, as the apparatus by which you are to display your gifting to the world, right, is the means by which God has given you to exchange for money. It's not our time. You, our time is the most is the most precious commodity that we have. And God intends to spend that time for you to spend the bulk of that time with him in living life. Well, if you're focused on making money, if you're exchanging your time for money, now that limits what you can do. Right. So when God said you can't, when Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon, he was talking about you have to get out of the mindset that the people who perverted capitalism put you in to use your time, to exchange your time for money. In order for you to do that, though, you got to think like an entrepreneur. Well, as we know, God is an entrepreneur. Jesus was a businessman. When you come as a king, you come in as a businessman. He wasn't a religious figure at all. The problem is the church has, has, has revealed him and presented him as a religious figure and not as the king that he was. When you, when you, when you label him as a king, you have to label him as an entrepreneur. Yeah. You label him as an entrepreneur. Now you got to be thinking as a business-minded person. That's why Jesus said, know ye not that I must be about my father's, my business. father's business. That's why he said that. He didn't say my father's religion. He said my father's business. Salvation is God's business. God is in the business of saving souls first, then building that person economically, making sure they're healthy, making sure they're defended, making sure they're protected, and making sure they come into a wholeness. Yeah. And so when you deal with people who say, well, you can't serve God and mammon, you got to say, well, uh, you're right. You can't serve God and mammon. But God never designed us to serve, to, to serve God and mammon or to exchange our time for money. When we think like entrepreneurs, then we get out of the time aspect. And we get into, I'm desired to, I'm, I'm created to produce mm -hmm. products through my gifting that people can purchase that's not demanding of my time. Right. So if we take God's entrepreneurial approach, we've got to go all the way back to the beginning. Six days he labored, seven days he rested. Mm -hmm. Why did he rest? Work. Wasn't because he was tired. <laughs> work was done. <laughs> the work was finished. The system was in place. See, entrepreneurs look to build systems that produce wealth, that generate wealth, that they can now rest and they can sit back and it can, it can work by itself. You know, the, the interesting thought with that is uh, it kind of sounds as, as if God is here to serve us. But you some people right. would say, no, 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 because that's God being like a genie and he's not a genie. <laughs> um, so what would you say to someone who would... Um, you know, combat against that, saying that God is here to serve us, which it kind of sounds like he is. Well, they wrong. I tell them that wrong. You're wrong. You need a revelation. That's just what it is. I mean, we, we got to get to the point where, I mean, listen, the Bible says, if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Paul said, I'm not finna fight with you. If you want to fight to be ignorant, okay. I ain't going to fight with you. No, to, to, to come out of ignorance, right? We got we to gotta come out of ignorance. If any man want to be ignorant, if he want to fight to stay ignorant, he want to believe that, okay. Then you go ahead and you idolize the Lord. And we got into that last week. Right. You can idolize him all you want, right? <laughs> But what we have to do is we have to make them aware that God's mindset is to serve us. Now, he's, he's, he's served us ultimately by giving us a salvation that we have to work. Right. We have to manage. We have to learn to leverage. But, but the, ultimate, the ultimate mindset of God is that that's why Jesus said the greatest among you shall be servant. He who serves the most or he who serves the deepest, he who serves 
to the, to the greatest capacity. He's the greatest among you. Jesus was the ultimate servant. It's the mindset of serving, right? And there's two aspects to that. And I want to deal with the first aspect is, is you, know, um, you know, doing for others. The second aspect is selling. We serve by selling, actually. When we talk about the word zoe or the word life that Jesus said he came to bring, it's, it's, it means to be a lover, it means to be a creator, to be a producer, and to be a servant via selling. Mm-hmm. Right? We serve the community by selling a community, by selling to the community, actually. So what, 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 what you would say to those individuals is, listen, God, God's heart is that of a servant. He can't help but to want to serve us. The mindset should be to reciprocate that to him. When you have two people competing to serve, mm-hmm. man, that's, that's the beauty of life. When, if I'm competing to serve you and you're competing to serve me, I'm always, that's why Paul could say stuff like this. Look not unto your own needs, but look unto the, the needs of others. Like how, Paul? Well, if you're looking out for my need and I'm looking out for your need, then ain't nobody got no need. It. That's right. right. So, so the idea is to serve. God wants to serve man out of poverty and into a wealthy place so that we can now be sufficient and efficient enough to care and to love one another as God designed. Um, Isaiah 56 verse one talks about, let's just read it. Ain't no sense in, um, it says, the Lord said, thus saith the Lord, keep ye judgment and do justice for my salvation is near to come and my righteousness to be revealed. So here we see judgment, justice, righteousness, and it's salvation all combined in one verse. So God's salvation should produce judgment, which means to judicially decide on what's right and what's, what should be and what shouldn't be. God's salvation produces justice, and God's salvation reveals righteousness. We have everything about who God is and what God desires to do contained in our salvation. Salvation is God's reparative plan for man. Let's get into the nature of God. Let's get into that because really, so really so you just talked about how you know God is here to 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 serve us, but He's also a rewarder as well, which right. I don't think that many people would think of Him as. Yeah, and then we'll get into <laughs> the other one that. Let, let's, that look, my, <laughs> let's, let's look at let's look at. Uh, <laughs> let's look at Hebrews. What'd you say, sis? I don't know. Let's look at Hebrews. Let's look at Hebrews eleven. So so we, we we so so the book in the book um, we talk about. The nature of God. That's one of the first chapters in the book as we reveal. And the reason we do that is because, again, most folks don't really have the perspective of God by which he revealed to us. Like we got into that a little bit last week, the difference between worshiping God and idolizing God. Mm-hmm. Right. Most folks idolize him because they make up in their mind the image of God that they want to serve. They make up in their mind who they believe God to be and how he functions and how he relates to man. And they, and they idolize that they worship that you coined it best when you said they want God to work out their salvation. Mm -hmm. When the scripture in Philippians, the second chapter, the 14th verse tells us that we're to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, right? He, He, we, we have a responsibility where they want to eliminate that responsibility. God never revealed to us that he was in control of everything. He never revealed that through the word. But how many folk believe sovereign and he's in control of everything? Well, if God wills it, you know. Yeah, if it be God's will. Well, wait a minute. It is God's will. Now what? Right. Is, it, is it your will? Is exactly. exactly. Is it your will? Yep. Right? So we have to deal with that, that religious mindset of God is in control. Again, again, that's rooted in a slave ownership's mentality. When they would, they would try to 
well, I shouldn't say they tried to, they would brain, attempt to brainwash not just the black folks, but white folks. They would attempt to brainwash themselves to thinking that this was the black man's plight and this was the white man's plight. This was God's sovereign will for the black parent to be servant to the white folk. They, that, that was all come out of that. It all comes out of that, that, that hellish environment that was created um, by our forefathers. So we deal with, we deal with that, um, that mindset. We deal with the mindset uh, by, by revealing the true nature of who God is. First and foremost, it's the nature of love. It's love. Like, that's the ultimate goal. Is to know love. Well, we, we, we mentioned that the people, the reason people get tricked up and they stumble at the word is because they don't know love. They trying to, they trying to figure the Bible out like, like they trying to figure out their math book or their history book or their, or their economics book. No, you got to know love. That's why the first thing God did to those who embrace him is he, the Bible says he shed abroad the love of God in their heart. You got to know love. Paul said, I pray that you, that you, you would know God in the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height of his love. We got to know love. The first aspect of God's nature is love, which leads to how does he, how is God's first and first priority or how would he, how does he initiate drawing man to himself? Through his goodness. Romans 2 and 4. Know ye not that it is the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. So the first thing God wants you to do to get your attention is he wants to show you his goodness. Right? He'll show you his goodness. So we got to see that the nature of God is to, is to be good to us. The nature of God is to love us. The nature of God is to heal us. The nature of God is to repair us. The nature of God is to empower us. That's the nature of God, right? So we go into that, that aspect to set up the idea of God being a repairer, of God being a reconciler. He hates, he hates broken relationships. He hates it with a passion. He hates it. He's always trying to find a way to reconcile. He's always trying to find a way to bring back, to bring um, righteousness and peace within a relationship. That's why he says, as much as, as, much as it lies in you, you got to do everything you can to be at peace with men. He hates broken relationships. The first thing God wants to do is reconcile. That's why he sent Jesus. He says, I got to get that right. I got to make that right. He says, I know Adam messed up some, but you got to go get that right because we, we, we can't be separated from our, from our children. I can't be separated from them like that. He's a reconciler. That's why the Bible says, 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, to it, God was in Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus, reconciling the world unto himself. He did that through, through salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but it's the power of God unto salvation. Mm -hmm. God wanted to reconcile man via the salvation uh, apparatus to bring us closer to him. Well, the first thing is, is reconcile. The two components of reconciliation is repentance and repair. You can't escape it. If you want to talk about reconciling, if white America want to talk about reconciling with black America, you got to repent. You got to think differently about the way you think about me. Matter of fact, the word repent means to, to return to the original way of thinking, which takes us back to how God thought about us in the very beginning. He made us in his image and in his likeness. So you got to think about me in that manner. If you don't see me as one who was made in the image and likeness of God, as a white person, if you don't see me as a black man made in the image and likeness of God, then you're not seeing me correctly. You not need to repent. His history dictates either. <laughs> right, exactly. You, you're not seeing me correctly. You need to repent of that, and you need to see me as God sees me, in the in His image and His likeness. Right. Secondly, you got to repair. Right. First thing God looked to do was 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 to in His reconciliation process is to get man to repent, and then to repair man, to repair man's injuries. Right. That's why Jesus came. That's why you see Jesus healing. 
That's why you see him restoring. That's why you see him reparating. You see it all through all through the scriptures. You see you see salvation being associated with reparations in the life of of the little dude. What's his name? The little guy, the little short David, dude. No, the little short guy who climbed up in the tree. What's his name? I can't think of his name. Up in the tree to see Jesus. Yeah. Um, the um the uh the tax collector. Oh, oh um, I can't think of his man's name. Man. Um, he climbed up in the tree, right? Um, and and Zacchaeus, the, fir the the first thing he did was. I was going to say Zephaniah. Zephaniah. <laughs> <laughs> Zephaniah. You do know Zephaniah was black, though, right? Okay. Yeah, Zephaniah was black, man. He was black. He was one of the black prophets that, that used him. But see, they won't teach you. They won't tell you that. Mm -mm. Right, right. So anyway, so um, that deals with the blackness of the Bible, which we're going to have to come on. We're going to have to talk about that. Mm -hmm. how, they, they, how, how white folks took out all of the blackness of the Bible when it's blackness throughout the entirety of the Bible. And we've talked about how they've proven that Adam and Eve was black and how Africa was that's what the Garden even was. We, we, we talked about all that. We'll, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll dedicate a show we, to that. We touched on it before one of the shows, but yeah, we didn't get we'll into it. We'll dedicate a show to that. But um, so Zacchaeus demonstrated salvation being a repaired the plan of God when he, when he encountered salvation. Bible don't say Jesus said a word to him about reparations, but he didn't turn and reparated all those who he had injured. God is a reconciler. His nature is to reconcile. His nature is to repent and repair those who are injured. That's what we have to get to. Can you read what 2 Corinthians 5.10 says? Yes. About um, reconciliation? Uh, 2 Corinthians, the... Fifth chapter, I think it's the 18th verse. Um, it says... Let's go back to verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and had given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. See, I love that part. I, and I'm glad we read it because the church was our primary ministry and our primary focus is reconciliation. If anybody needs to be reconciled or if there's any relationship that needs to be reconciled, it's black America versus white America. That relationship needs to be reconciled. Well, who is it that needs to repent more than anybody in that relationship? It's white America on your view against black America, right? You need to repent and repair. The church, the church is where the initiation of that process needs to start. The white church specifically, the white church needs to repent and then look to repair the damages that it took part in playing in black enslaving black America. The church was engaged and involved in that. The church has been engaged and involved in Jim Crow. The church has been engaged and involved in black codes. The church was involved in, in redlining. The church was involved in all of the economic oppression that has taken place in America. And again, it is what it is. We hate to hear about that. We hate to talk about it. But we can repent. He's a merciful God. Mm -hmm. Right? Right? And, and again, I'm not sure how much of the organism and the organization. Remember, there's two different factions. You got the organization, which I don't know how much salvation I would say they have, but then you have the organism, right? So you had abolitionists. You had, you had folks who was against slavery. I'm watching a series now about it. His name was, um, my goodness, his name was uh, John Brown, who was an abolitionist that just went, wow, he was killing white folks by, I mean, just if he saw you and you talking about slavery, he'd kill you as a white folk. I mean, John Brown was, look him up on Wikipedia. He was an abolitionist that fought. I'm talking about was willing to die for white. I'm talking about quote the scripture on you in a heartbeat, but then put a bullet between your eyes if you, if you thought you were supposed to enslave black folk. John Brown was an abolitionist to the fullest, right? Save organism. He wasn't a part of the organization. 
right? John Brown went to war for black folk. He was an abolitionist. So I'm not saying at all the church. I'm generally speaking when we say this, you know. Um, but believers aren't supposed to be violent. Well, again, we talked about that before. <laughs> Jesus was the most militant, violent person you, you want to meet. He was a warrior. But how could somebody with so much love in their hearts do such vicious acts? <laughs> I, I'm just, listen, this is what's going to come up. This is what's going to come up. You're on the wrong side of his vengeance. That's the problem. <laughs> Paul said, Paul said, listen, it's a, Paul said, it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of, a, of the living God. Listen, man, God was a, God's a warrior. He's a warrior. And he'll fight for those he loved. Right? Jesus was a warrior and was willing to go to war, was willing to fight. Right. So, again, some folks going to be ignorant. They want to be ignorant. They're going to fight to be ignorant. Jesus said, it like, I mean, God said it like this in uh, Hosea. He said, Ephraim is joined unto his idols. Let him alone. Leave him alone. Leave them folk alone, man. I don't want to have nothing to do with them folk. I'm done with them. Man, y'all go ahead on. I'm done with y'all. I'm going to find the folk that want to believe God the way God wants you to believe him. Everybody else, he joined to his idols. Let him alone. That's what the scripture said. You ain't called to save everybody. Everybody ain't gonna want to hear you. Okay. Adios. God bless you. So I think I think I kind of think about the the body of Christ. And when I say body of Christ, I'm thinking all of the churches. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. It, I, I think about it corporately. Like God is is the he's he's the he's the product. You know what I mean? Salvation is the product, right? Right. right. And church homes are the storefronts right right now if we are if we are mismanaging the business if we are tainting the product or, or whatever the case may be uh that that creates uh a distorted view on the business itself right how how do we how do we go about getting uh getting these storefronts to realize that they've tainted the product. Well, I think the Bible says everything, there's a season and, and there's a time for everything under the sun, right? When God comes to or desires to get things right in that sense, he says judgment shall begin in the house of God, right? Paul talks about it in Corinthians about, about you know, um, us being in a position where we judge ourselves. Some folks you're going to be able to get to see, you know, other folks, you won't get them to see. I believe it starts with us in intercessory prayer and, and, and having a burden crying out for those who are blind. Uh, but then, but then there's a place to where, okay, enough of that praying. Now we're going, we declare in front of them, yeah. you know, what it is. And if they don't want to hear it as Paul would do, he dust off the, shake his hand, the dust off his clothes and, 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 and cleanse his hands from him and be gone. And he said, your blood be on your own head. That's what he said. So I think it's a combination of all of that. You, there's no rule. I think you got to be led by the spirit and how you function and operate with these different, okay. um, you know, what do you call them? These different office space storefronts, storefronts that, that, are, that are leading people in the era. Remember, Jeremiah had a portion of his prophetic ministry where God told him, speak unto those who are leading my people. They, are, they that lead thee are causing the error. There were shepherds in that, in that Jeremiah was called to say, listen, you leading the people wrong. Right. So there will be times John the Baptist ministry was about speaking to the religious folk. Right. I think now is that time. I really I really believe that now is that time that the prophetic voices are going to begin to speak out against these people who are leading God's people astray. You know, you're going to have you're going to always have people who take, 
you know, um, the word of God and, and they, they have no clue what they're doing and they're going to twist it up and they're going to, you know, unfortunately, you're going to have people who follow that. But what, what our role is when we come into a certain knowledge, like, like um, the scripture God spoke to me recently was open thy mouth wide and I'll fill it. He says, he says, I'll give you a word that your, um, a word of, a word of wisdom that your gainsayers uh, won't be able to resist. Right. I think we get to the place where we saturate ourselves so much in the truth and how God revealed himself to be that we just start putting that word out there. And and, you know, whosoever will. Right. Jesus was dealing with this in his day because you had the Sadducees, you had the Pharisees, you had, you had the religious folk, you had the downcast. And he he put the word out there. Who I mean, all you heavy laden burden, come unto me and learn of me. If you ain't heavy laden burden, go on about your business. I mean, that's just what it is. You know, the thing about the love of God is that God can be as compassionate and warm and loving and merciful and long suffering with you. But when he reached that point, it's over with. So the interesting thing going off of what you said is that it's, it's not like we can rebrand the product, right? right. We can't do that. It right. is what it is. So when you speak of re repentance and you're saying that white America needs to repent to black America, there, there is some things where the black church must repent to those that we have led astray as well. You got that now, right. Do you think that the black church will take that position to say, hey, we actually got it wrong? Some of them will. That might be the biggest challenge. So many years. Yeah. Some of them will, and some of them won't. <laughs> and <laughs> the ones that won't. Some of them will, some of them won't. Those who won't, <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> those who will, let's work together. That's, that's the nature of it. Right. So, see, people, people of the idea that Jesus, Jesus so, so the sword that's in our our we value black life movement. Right. The sword that's in it is mm -hmm. a sword of justice. You say you, you think that I oh, you think I've come to bring peace on earth? No, I come to bring a sword. I come to divide mother from father, husband from wife. Listen, there's going to be a divide. There's going to be a divide that takes place. There's going to be the wheat. And then there's going to be the tares, right? The tares and the wheat, they, I, they look the same. If you, if you don't have the, a keen eye, you mix them up, right? They look the same. But Jesus come to separate the tares from the wheat. That's, that's, just, that's the nature of the gospel is to separate, right? It's to separate those who are of the right righteousness and those who aren't. So you're going you're gonna to have that. You're going to have, you know, there is, there is a level of of thinking differently and repenting that black, the black church needs to, needs to have. There's a level of it. Um, and you're going to have some folks who are going to be willing to do it. And you're going to have some folks who are not. And that's, that's, we have to be, we have to be willing to accept that God is, you know, it's not his will for any man to perish, but for all men to come to the knowledge of truth, but he know everybody ain't going to do it. <laughs> that's just what it is. So we got to be willing to say, you know what, for those who are willing, I'm willing. But for those who ain't, I mean, we'll so, pray for you. I actually want to go back a little bit when you were talking about that God is a rewarder. Now, yeah. this word, remunerator. Remunerator. Now that I am here, and I can never say that I've never heard it. You got that right. Bro, you, you, now that I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so can you just uh, speak again about, yeah. about that in case there's anyone else who may not have heard about or needs to be refreshed a little bit? So when we're talking about the nature of God, right, we got we to gotta include... Um, the the aspect of two aspects of who God is uh, Hebrews 11 the sixth verse says but without faith it is impossible to please God mm -hmm. 
Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we all understand what it means with faith. We have a, uh, most believers have an idea what it, faith means um, uh, and what it means to believe God. You know, uh, to define faith, um, we call it God's word in your spirit. That is the mechanical definition of faith, right? God's word in your spirit. David said, that word hath I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Bible says, with the, with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So the heart, the word in the heart, the word in the spirit, right? The word in the word on the inner man. Uh, Paul prayed, strengthen me with my in my inner man. It's the it's the word in the spirit that 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 we we look at as defining faith. We describe the outplaying or the operation of faith by Hebrews eleven one. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, right? But when we get beyond that, we see that God says there's two things. There's two things that you must believe about me if you're going to walk with me. The word pleasing actually means to be in full agreement with God. He that cometh in, uh, it says, without faith it is impossible to please God, to be in full agreement or to bring God joy is the idea of that word. We can literally bring God joy by believing these two things about him. Um, he that cometh unto God must first believe that he is, right? He is. I believe Paul got that revelation from when Moses said to God, when I go tell Pharaoh to let these folk go and I go to Egypt and say, God has come down to deliver you and to reparate you and to bring you out into the woods that you may worship him and build yourself up as a mighty nation. Who am I going to tell him sending me? Like you ain't been around for 400 years. <laughs> I am you ain't I said am. nothing for 400 years. He said, tell them I am that I am. Mm -hmm. That word means I will be who you need me to be. I will be all that you need me. That's where we first get the idea of God wanting to serve us. I'm here to serve you. Whatever you need of me. You need me to be your warrior, I'll be your warrior. You need me to be your lover, I'll be your lover. You need me to be your doctor, I'll be your doctor. You need me to be your physician, I'll be your physician. You need me to be your wealth creator, I'll be your wealth creator. You need me to be your kingmaker. Whatever you need of me, I can be that to you. Not only is that a loving mindset, but in that is love, such a love, business reminder, it, it, uh, business it, it, mindset. It, it is. No like, if you think it. about it, so the, the training, I, you, you work in customer service before? So, you know, the, the training is always service oriented. How can we service the client? And even have you ever seen uh, Shark Tank? Yes. Yeah. So so a lot of the ideas that are birthed on that show or not on the show, but that are birthed by the entrepreneurs that try to bring their products to the show is in service of a need. Right. Right. That, like that. That is the heart of, of who God is. Amen. Salvation is the solution. That's what we say. <laughs> Salvation is a solution. Like salvation, everything that pertains to life and God, salvation is the solution. It solves the problems that man faced due to the fall. Salvation is the solution. There ain't no way around that. Like I'm when, when the Lord gave it to me, I'm like, Lord, that's that's like perfect. Like, like we know we have the good, the acceptable, and the perfect. That's like it's the solution. Yeah. Like, I don't need to look no further than salvation to solve whatever problems I'm facing in life. It's the solution. It is the solution. So when God says, as you as you just alluded to, when he says, he that cometh unto me, that word cometh means to literally to walk with me, to live life with me. You got to believe that he is willing to serve you. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to be with you, whatever you need. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That word rewarded there in this original language means to be a remunerator. That's where we get that word from, remunerator, which is, literally means to make another wealthy. That's what it means. 
the nature of God is to make another wealthy. In other words, God is looking to find a way to make you wealthy. He's looking to find a way to cause benefit to come on your behalf. It, it was a term that was only used, was really used between conversations of kings. So a king's, in a king's mind, he looks to remunerate you or to make you wealthy. So we see this played out in Jesus' life with the three wise men or the mm. three kings. What they would do, they would call kingmakers. They weren't called wise men. What they would do is the first, the first aspect of making one a king is to make him wealthy. So when they brought all the treasures, they brought all that treasure before Jesus. So this flies in the face of folks who say Jesus was broke. <laughs> right. So he was they, just a carpenter. Right. They brought all that. To, but just he, he wasn't just a carpenter. He was the carpenter. That's right. what the Bible says. Right. Is this not the carpenter? There were the that's called a definite article. That means he was the carpenter. He had the biggest carpentry business in the whole region. Like if you had a carpentry problem, you went to Jesus first. If he couldn't do it, then you went to the second man. But that's what the idea of the carpenter, that's what they said. He's the carpenter. This is the one that, listen, he fixed everybody's stuff, mm -hmm. right? And that word carpenter wasn't just he laid carpet. It means a handyman. He could fix whatever problem you had. That was Jesus. He was a businessman. Okay, anyway. So <laughs> um, so he, he said, he said, uh, what were we at? We were talking about something. I was, I was talking about remunerator. Uh, yeah. He was a remunerator, yeah. right? So, so no, that word was actually used amongst kings. And it was always used when it, when it dealt with large sums of money. When the three kingmakers came to make Jesus a king, they brought so much treasure. They brought so much treasure. Remember in the Bible, it says when, when King Herod and the people saw them coming, they were, they were all terrified. They were, had great fear. It wasn't because it was three wise men on three horses. No, they needed an army to guard the treasure. So they saw an army coming toward them. And that's, where they, that's what caused them to be so fearful because it was that much treasure that they needed an army to guard it when they brought it to Jesus. Well, guess what? The Bible says we are kings and priests of the Most High God. See, as a king, what's God's first responsibility is to make me, make me a king. And that is to be focused on my economics. Well, when we look at it from that perspective, that word remunerator is in the same family of words, recompense, restitution, reparations, repair, remunerate, reconcile, all those words come from the same spirit, from the same family. So when we look at God being a remunerator, we can look at God being a reparator. We can look at God being a recompenser. We can look at God being a rewarder. We can look at God being a, a, a restitutor. We can look at God being a reconciler. We can look at all those things. That's the nature of God. And in the book, we bring out the idea that it's God's nature. It's in his, it would go against who God is, not to reparate black America for all we've been through. He couldn't claim himself to be God anymore if he didn't see to it that black America got reparated. Well, what's been taking so long? Well, we got the 400 year concept. That's when we look at 400 years. I believe within that framework and that time frame of 400 years, God was waiting for black America to grow in quantity and quality. I believe now where we are between 45 million and 45 million, 50 million people, we ready now. We ready to stand on our own two feet, but not without reparations. Before we go, give me what's mine. <laughs> Give me what's mine. And that's the mindset we had to have. And, and the book brings out the, the thought that by nature, he has to do it. He has to see that it happens. It, it's got to happen. Like, I'm, it's got to happen. Ain't no, it ain't going to happen. Ain't no, if it is, it has to happen or God can't claim to be our God. I mean, that's, I know that's strong. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. Oh, he can't claim to be the God of everybody. 
If he did it for Israel, he has to do it for black America. Can you talk a little bit about the mindset that we have to have in accordance with that? Because the, people say, you know, well, if you expect something of God, isn't that arrogant? Well, no, it's part of the contract. Amen. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a covenant. See, they don't understand covenant. So covenant, the idea of covenant is to serve. All that I have belongs to you and all that you have belongs to me. That's the idea of covenant. What I have that's going to benefit you, I give to you freely. What you have to benefit me, give it to me. Well, in the relationship between God and man, we know who's the greater recipient in that case, right? <laughs> like, right. like all God asks of us is our is our life or, or access to our our spirit, our body, right? The Bible says the Bible says our spirit, our body, and spirit which belongs to Him. We have to give Him our soul, mm-hmm. and we have to give Him our will, our mind, our emotions. Mm-hmm. So that's what He's asking for because He needs that in order to do stuff here in the earth, right? Right? He needs to have possession of a body in order for us. He needs to have ownership. Of, of, of our mind and of our soul and of our emotions and of our desires. He needs to have ownership of those things. So we freely give him those things. And in exchange for that, he give us all that he is. He gives us everything. They don't understand covenant when they make that statement. So for us to believe God and expect God to do things as he has revealed he will do in his word is what he expects from us. He expects us to believe him for great and mighty things. He expects us to believe him to do the miraculous. He expects us to believe that. When we don't believe that, we're not being who he, who he expects us to be. We're not being who Jesus died for us to be. Like, like we were created in the image and the likeness of God himself. That's why Jesus could confidently say, didn't you read it in the word? Didn't you read it in the Psalm 82? Ye are God's. The spirit of that for the religious folk who say, wow, well, we can't be God. Please, please explain yourself because I was going to ask anyway. So the, the spirit of that is, 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 is to be judges. The idea behind that, remember I made a statement some several shows ago that the church should be the mind behind the judicial laws that the Supreme Court put in place. Well, that word, that word God's there, the spirit of that word is just that. It's being the ultimate judge of the, of the judicial processes and laws that govern a particular society so when jesus was quoting that scripture ye are gods he was saying ye are the ones that god put here in the earth to to make judgments and to make decisions and to set culture and to establish policies so that culture can function off these you're the ones that god put in place to to make this stuff happen the church is the entity that god left in the earth so that we can make the judicial plans and the policies and practices and the procedures and the principles for our society to live by that's the church so when, when Jesus said that, that's what he was referring to. He wasn't speaking of us as being God in the sense of, you know, being the creator, but in the sense of being the judges and those who are called to rule and to have authority in the earth and to be remunerated and be sure that everybody was reconciled and everybody was repaired and everybody was recompensed and everybody uh, was, was brought out of their poverty. That's the idea that God expects the church to have. If we don't believe that, if we don't expect that, we're not being who God created us to be. So that's kind of like, so I remember you saying years ago that sometimes when we come to God with a problem, God's response is, well, you're there. You figure it out. You are the answer. Figure it out. So it's figure it like, out. I used to hate when D say that. <laughs> figure it out. Oh my God. I mean, we know where it comes from now, but man, so many things. Well, son, you're going you to have to figure that out. What you mean? You asked me to do this. Well, you got to figure it out. Figure it out. Figure it out. So I got it from times. Moses. Remember Moses? Oh, oh, Moses, Moses listen, Moses was between the Red Sea and the armies of Israel. Mm-hmm. And the people started whining. They started crying to Moses. And then Moses wanted to whine crying to God. Right. And God says, well, what, you, what you crying to me for? 
Lift up that rod and the Red Sea. Don't come crying to me. Fix that thing, man. Figure it out. Figure it out. Right? He left the church. We have the capacity that we have as a church. We go crying to God for something. He's sitting there like, what? What? Jesus, what they doing? Why are they, why are they bothering us with this mess? Will you please explain to them they, can, they got the power to figure that out? We don't realize that. We don't realize that. It's true. We don't realize that. We're looking for somebody else to do it. That's why you got all these different organizations, these different factions raising up, fighting for equality. Because the church wouldn't stand up and do it for them. So, okay. Well, we, well, where the church leaves a void, somebody will stand up unrighteously and fill that void. Mm -hmm. Then what happened? The church sit back and complain. Well, they ain't godly and they ain't this. Yeah, but they're getting it done. But that also means that at some point, God also has to deal with us for not being in position and doing those things that we were supposed to do. Well, right? well, that's why we got a portion in the book <laughs> that deals with <laughs> what the white church need to be doing, what the black church need to be doing. See, it's on the church. Uh, uh, when, uh, ultimately, when it comes to reparations, the United States government can take the position that Pharaoh took, which is, who going to make me pay y'all? Yeah, I know it's God's will. Yeah, I know it's wrong. Yeah, I know slavery. Yeah, I know we owe y'all, but who going to make us pay you? Them being the superpower in the earth right now. Who going to make you, us pay you? Right? We can't go to the UN because UN, that's not good for them because they got folks they owe in their countries too. That's right. <laughs> So it comes down to who? And I was stumped. I said, Lord, what, what do we do in that case? Who's, who's the, who has the might and the force? And he said, my people. He said, my people. Oh, my God. Then the scripture came to me. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear. Then, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll, I'll heal the land. I'll heal the land. See, it's up to God's people. It's up to God's people. If God's people would repent and turn from their wicked ways, the most wicked way that the church has ever took part in was the, the legalizing of slavery. Like we fought, like we had generals who fought in the Civil War to maintain slavery. Right. Bible in one hand, sword in the other, fighting for slavery. So we have to we have to repent, turn from our wicked ways. Look to repair. I mean, look to repent and repair black America. That's going to bring healing to them. That's why that's why I. We last week's show was dealing with. Rep reparations will reap revival. When we repair black America, we'll see revival in the land. All these folks run around prophesying about this great move of God ain't going to happen to black America's reparated. That's 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 my prophetic declaration <laughs> for the for, for the You're times. Here first, ladies and gentlemen. Right, that that's my prophetic declaration for the times. Until Black America is reparated, you're not gonna see this revival. Now, 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 in the in the white folks' mind, that's prophesying that they just might have white folks in mind. That ain't no revival. That ain't a God revival. God revival. They don't care who. It ain't about who, what color you are. It's about whosoever will come. Right. But the revival, the true revival, that that this last days that people are talking about. It's a, it's a revival where there's going to be a multitude of fish. There's going to be a multitude, many different kinds of people. That's not going to happen until we see black America reparated. Black America's reparation will lead to the healing of America. And that's what we need. We need a true healing to take place, a true cleansing. And that can never happen until white America is willing. And even our millennials and our Generation Z, even, even, I think they're more ready than any generation. They're more ready than any generation. 
but um, we have to now we have to now uh, position ourselves to hear it exactly what we need to do. And I think generation millennials and Generation Z, they're ready. They were out there. They were out there protesting with Black America. They're, they're tired of it. And if the church don't get on board, no, no, I ain't gonna say it like that. The church will get on board. The church is gonna get on board. The church is gonna see right. Um, the leaders and the elders of the church today, they're gonna see it. They're gonna see it. They gotta see it. You have some who see it already, right? But you have you have a, you have the mainstream who don't see it, right? God going God God got his remnant. And once we get that seventeen percent, then we'll get the then we get the, the the early majority. Then we'll get the later majority, right? So that that's gonna be the process. And I and I really believe that that God has given us a word through this book to be a catalyst, to be what we call a clarion uh, sound, a sound that that trumpets in a call for war, right? Uh, a call for the year of jubilee to take place. And so I, I think this book is going to be a catalyst for that. I think I think God has given us some some revelation and some understanding on how to how to make this thing right. And if we really we really want to be the the entity that represents the voice and the actions of God, then we, we got to take heed to what God is saying to us. And I, I'm not I'm not the only one. I found out that I'm not the only one that's writing about this from the church perspective. There's another brother that just wrote a book called White Too Long. Right. White and how the church has been white too long and how it's taken the side of white supremacy. It's a white brother that's wrote a book called White Too Long. Man, I would encourage you to get it. Matter of fact, I'm gonna give him some props. His name is um let me look it up real quick. Uh White Too Long by You wanna start getting the clothes out? Starting to get designs around our fifty minute mark here. His name is Robert P. Jones, White Too Long. Great, great, great book. Great book. Robert P. Jones, White Too Long. I would encourage you to read it because, man, it goes into just how the church has been white too long. It's time for the church to fight, not just for white rights, but for the rights of black America to be reparated. Reparations. 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 I'm talking about black America can't be afraid to say reparations. We're selling for the crumbs. When God wants us to have reparations, we can't go in there asking for police reform. Like, like we'll reform our own, we'll, we'll, we'll give us our money, we'll make our own, we'll create our own police up for <laughs> right. We don't need that. Right. Reparations. We, I mean, and I, don't get me wrong, I get what they're saying. Um, you know, and some of those things are, as Jesus put it, you know, you tithe, man, you tithe, rule, and all that stuff is good, but there's more weightier matters and, and mercy and justice and love. Those are the weightier matters of the law. Let's deal with the weightier matter. The, the weight of the matter is poverty. Poverty. Mm -hmm. Poverty. It's the core issue. That's the issue. Poverty. How do we deal with poverty in black America? Reparations. That's going to put us in a position to own some stuff, to build wealth, not just have income. Like most folks satisfied with a good income. That ain't good enough. You can't, you can't, you can't pass down an income. Right. Like you can't pass that down. Folks ain't going to give you, folks ain't going to give your son that job in most, most cases. Like you, right. you can try to work it out, but you got to own, you got to be owners, Right. That's that's how we're gonna do it. We we got we got in Black America, and you said speak to that. But Black America has to come together, and 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 unite on our stance for reparations, and we got to demand it. God told Israel demand from Egypt reparations. Don't go don't go pussyfooting, don't go wimpy, don't go timid. No, kingdom of heaven suffer violent, and the violent take it by force. You gotta you gotta you gotta be forceful about it. And you got to learn to leverage what God has given us. And right now, what we have, we can leverage our 45 million votes. We can leverage our intelligence. We can leverage our unity. And until we get it, we're going to be 
playing games. Steak and potatoes, you all good? Mm, you mm, full? Mm. <laughs> good. Well, make sure on our YouTube channel that you like, you comment, you share. Um, any updates that we should know about the book? Um, no, no updates other than Thanksgiving kind of threw us off. Um, I spoke to my printer. Uh, we have all of our promotional pages in the back of the book all finished. I should have hard copies of the book to proof next week. I'm looking within the next two weeks being able to say goodbye. Awesome. Okay, well, until next time, this is Salvation Solutions, where we believe in building wealth, maintaining health, and overcoming poverty. Until next time, continue to be safe and be blessed.